heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Well, during the election of 2020, uh, we, we were talking about a lot of things, a lot of what ifs, right? A lot of what ifs. What if uh, the left, the extreme left, got into power? What would they do? And we talked about this litany list of things they would do to seize power. Now, one of the big things in here we talk about is the Supreme Court. And you and you heard this rallying call about packing the Supreme Court. This isn't the first time this has come up. Uh, Roosevelt tried this uh, and it, he, he was denied when he was trying to get his uh, fair deal and uh, overhaul the federal government. Uh, it, it's happened before historically where they've tried this power grab. But more than that, uh, my fellow Americans, it has happened historically around the world as well. We've seen this before. It's why you oftentimes you hear this reference to Venezuela. And there's a reason you hear that. It's not just really a talking point now. There's a reason you hear Venezuela. And it's because a lot of the a lot of the uh, steps that they took to seize power and, uh, as they say, batten down the hatches in Venezuela, well, you're seeing some of those same steps happen here in our beautiful nation in the United States of America. So these are things we need to take very seriously. Now, let's this we're going to talk about an initiative today, first of all, that's called Keep Nine. You may have heard about this, but there's a push to get an amendment added to keep nine and make it, you know, where you don't have one group, whether it's the left or the right or whatever, right? Season power. And, you know, this is one of the things that our uh, forefathers did not, uh, did not see coming, actually. And it doesn't say in our constitution that how many justices there are, just that there is that third branch of government. See, remember, we, we have those three branches. Now, the Supreme Court is important for a lot of reasons, because that's why they are the Supreme Court, because they, they are the last, the last rule, the last law, the last uh, voice that you hear before something is implemented nationally from sea to shining sea. It's the Supreme Court. I mean, that's, that's it. That's the law of the land. If they say it is, then it is. Right? They say it's not, then it's not. You know, one of the problems that I've been seeing with the Supreme Court for some time, and I've talked to you about this out there, but uh, is the fact that uh, it's, you know, it's it, the intent is not to be a political body, right? It's they're supposed to be non-political. And, and I think, you know, they try to give people that feeling when they put on their robes that they're really honoring the Constitution. Of course, when you see the amount of... Um, laws that are put into place, the rulings that they do, if you will, that are five to four, uh, there are many of them that way, then you have to wonder and scratch your head and say, hmm, are they looking at the same constitution, I wonder? Huh. Yeah, it's the truth, isn't it? Well, what happens is their ideology comes into play. So you got to remember as well, and again, this isn't perfect, but these are political appointees. 
Now, a lot of people don't want to talk about this, but they are indeed political appointees. They come from presidents that are on the left and presidents that are on the right. There's a reason those presidents pick those people to be jurists. There's a reason, you see? And that's where this fight lines up, where the nine are. Now, some of the things that have happened now in the past many weeks and months, you see, President Trump got their attention because he was successful in nominating a historical amount of uh, justices, Supreme Court justices. And it, that sort of swayed the balance of the court. Now, the left didn't like that. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. They said, we don't like this at all. So we need to come up with an idea of, you know, because we don't know when they're going to retire or if somebody uh, passes away or they retire or leave office. Again, these are lifetime appointments. We've also discussed with you whether these positions should be termed term limits you know we've discussed that as well it's an interesting discussion we'll we'll touch on that today as well with some very interesting people you know i have my own belief system on this we've talked about that as well but let me leave that off to the side for now but it, but it is a discussion we can have should they be termed out you know and again there's a the only one that's really termed at this point is the president congress isn't the bureaucrats are not supreme court is not so a lot of these people stay there for you know, long, long time. And uh, they become part of the woodwork, as you know, uh, part of the fabric of Washington. And then you end up with a lot of bureaucracy, clearly. So there's a whole lot to talk about there, isn't it? I'm fascinated with this whole uh, keep nine, though, this Supreme Court deal. And I want to talk about that with you today, my fellow Americans, on the voice of a nation. Uh, you know, just having celebrated our 245-year birthday. Wow. You just want to stand up and salute the flag and sing, Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday to you. Right? 245 years. And this experiment is still going, you know. Yeah, but we are taking out a little water at this point, friends. And we've got to really pay attention to what's going on. And if we want, that is another 245 years for this amazing country. We're going to have to pay attention. It's going to have to get in line to figure out, uh, you know, and push back some of this power grab that's happening. Now, one of the things to point out to you, and you may remember this, right upon taking office, Joe Biden, he appointed a 36-member commission. Okay, now this is after all the claims before that, that, ah, don't worry about it. We're not, they're not going to do anything. They're, they're just getting a frenzy here. They're, they're, it's, it's political talk. It's uh, election talk. They're not really going to pack the court, right? No. They're not going to add more states, are they? No. They wouldn't do all that to seize power, would they? Huh. Well, they're doing all those things. That's what you do when you have an ideology that is, a, well, that is a Marxist mentality. Not only do you seize the power, but you, you, then you batten the hatches down quickly and you grab the power and you keep it. And that's when a country takes a dangerous, dangerous turn. That's where we find ourselves at this moment of 245 years in, my fellow Americans. So Biden appoints this 36-member commission, okay? 
And this was because there was a major rallying call of uh, leftist extremists. Remember, the Democrat Party is no longer. They just haven't changed their name officially to the Socialist Marxist Party of America. But clearly they are. I mean, they're not the Democrat Party. So, but a lot of those far left uh, crazy people in the party, uh, they wanted something done about this and they... Uh, uh, they they pushed the Biden. And again, Biden, who ran and who was known as sort of a moderate, kind of wishy-washy, middle of the road, eh, you know, kind of go along Joe. Go along Joe. Just just be careful. It will put you back in chains. That's the Joe. Yep, yep, yep. Just, you know, very, you know, non-confrontational, easygoing, older man. Not a big deal, right? Well... It's Joe's not really the problem. It's the people behind Joe, you see. And they are using Joe sort of propped up, just like at that weekend at Bernie's film there, yeah? He's propped up there to do all kinds of things. So what I'm suggesting is it's very uh, non-suspecting. You don't really suspect Joe to be a problem. But yet, it is a problem. Moderate, easy go, get along Joe is doing some of the most radical things in our country we have ever seen. I mean, we are on the march and they're not hiding any of this. This is really what's strange about it all. There's no hiding this, people. It's out in the light of day, you see? So this commission consisted of legal scholars, retired judges, uh, practicing lawyers, and all kinds of people they brought together. And guess what kind of ideology those people have? Take a guess, <laughs> you can probably guess. Yeah, not exactly the kind of people that are going to push it the other way and come back with recommendations and say, well, no, uh, Mr. President, this is a very bad idea. We do not suggest you pack the court or expand the court because they won't call it pack the court. They would call it expand the jurist uh, so that freedom and liberty shines everywhere they would suggest to you. Of course, it's the direct opposite that they're after, you see. They want to seize the power so they can control the people. And then all bets are off, my fellow Americans. And then in the light of day, the country was snatched from the evil Marxist genie. That's really what we're looking at, people. So it is no laughing matter what I'm talking about here now. This is serious business. And I know, you know, there are a lot of Americans who think they can't make a difference. There are a lot of Americans who think, eh, it's the Supreme Court, and then it's just me and my, my, my life, my, my little life. I can't make a difference. But you see, that's where you're wrong. The power has always been with we the people. In fact, I continue to remind you, it's they who work for you. You do not owe them, and you do not work for them. Just read the Constitution again. Go back and read your amendments study. And you will see that this experiment was designed in a different way, which is what has always made America unique, what has made it great, and what has made it everlasting, provided we don't go down these wrong paths, which it appears we're about to do now. So what can we do about this? Well, there is a move to add an amendment to make nine the real deal so that nobody can come in uh, and change the woodwork, you know, ch ch change things um, overnight, basically, and seize the power. You never know what's lurking around in political circles, do you?
seems everybody has an agenda these days. But uh, let's take that on today. I have a whole series of interesting things today to talk to you about, my friends, and some very interesting guests. I, I want to bring on first here uh, a lady that I would love to introduce you to. Deborah Tamargo joins us. And uh, Deborah is a president of the uh, Florida Federation of Republican Women, by chance. She's a former member of the Florida House of Representatives, okay? And um, there's a movement, National Federation of Republican Women Board of Directors is what we're speaking about. We'll find out more about all of that. It, it, obviously, Deborah's very active in this. And Deborah, welcome to The Voice of a Nation. Thank you, Malcolm. It is so good to be here. And there are three points that I would like to make regarding the Keep Nine initiative. Okay. I think the audience would like to know that the initiative was actually originally proposed by a group of bipartisan state attorneys. So this was an overwhelming initiative proposed. And if it becomes law, it would be the shortest initiative amendment to the Constitution. It would merely say the Supreme Court of the United States shall be composed of nine justices. The third point is that it has overwhelming support from the citizen voters of the United States of America which is where we, the National Federation of Republican Women, came in to join the initiative by a unanimous vote of our National Board of Directors, of which I am one, to support the initiative and to take certain action steps to ensure that our members of Congress support this initiative, because it is the vote of the Congress, not the vote of the people, unfortunately. Right. Well, let me let's put out here and remind people, Deborah, right off that uh, to, to get an amendment um, added like this, we'd have to it has to be passed by two thirds majority, as you just stated, it's not the people in this particular case, two thirds majority in the House and Senate. Uh, and then it has to be ratified by three fourths of the states. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So how would this work and what kind of confidence level? Let's talk about this. I mean, that's a lot. I mean, this is not an easy process and very challenging to do. How do you feel about that? Well, we would think it's a difficult process, but the process can be corrupted by the elimination of the filibuster and other protections that we currently have. Okay, explain more to folks what you're saying there, please. Well, in, in um, the U.S. Senate, they have a rule that requires a supermajority for certain issues. Um, it would require 60 votes. Yes, that's not required in the House of Representatives, the Congressional House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. However, if they change the rules, they could eliminate the filibuster and therefore pass it on a party line vote. They have 50 votes. We Republicans currently have 50 votes. However, the tiebreaker is always the vice president of the United States of America, which at this point in time is a Democrat. 
So they could manipulate the rules to pass this, even though the citizen voters of America are in favor of keeping nine. Right. Yeah. I've seen various polls and things about that, Deborah. Um, what, uh, what do you, I mean, the, the vast majority is what I've seen. What Talk about that momentum nationally, how people really feel. I'm guessing a lot of people are not even aware this has happened. And a lot of people, as I just said, tend to turn this stuff off, especially when you start talking about things like the Supreme Court. That's a concern. But what do you see in the trends on this nationally in Poland and, and all of that? You're correct. So many people are not aware of the shenanigans that are going on to attempt to pass uh, an ability for the courts to be packed by this president. Um, a successful Supreme Court would be destroyed. Their independence would be destroyed. We Republicans always believe in nominating and having appointed um, lawyers who have um, judicial discretion, who abide by the law that find that merely interpret the law, they don't make the law. By packing the court, you would essentially be adding another legislative body if Joe Biden had the power as president to pack the court on an ideology, not on a constitutional basis. Yeah, that's exactly it. It would just become another political body, which I could argue in which I just did with listeners a bit ago here, Deborah, talking about, I think the court has become, and I'd love your opinion on this actually, but I think it's become a really, sadly, a political body already, not in the way that it would be if this happened, what we're talking about here. I mean, this would be horrible. This this would be the, a death watch for our nation. But I'm talking about the Supreme Court. We've seen the erosion and the honorability of the Supreme Court over the last uh, couple of decades. Uh, do you agree with that statement? Unfortunately, I do. Wow. You know, for a moment, I was hoping you might say, Malcolm, unf unfortunately, I thought you were going to say, unfortunately, I don't. I said, well, she's calling me out. But no, you did agree. I thought you would. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd love to say the opposite, Deborah, huh? But not the case. Well, the good news is that 15 states throughout the country have um, proposed resolutions to keep nine. Um, we're well on our way to perhaps getting a, a majority of the states in the United States. Um, we're also, and this is where we come in. This is where the people, this is where you, your listeners come right, in. Right. And that is to go to our congressional legislators and ask them to sign on to the Keep Nine bill. Right. And, um, and not just Republicans, but Republicans and Democrats. It was originally a Democrat who proposed the resolution to keep nine. Of course, we also know that President Joe Biden was also against packing the courts when he was in the U.S. Senate. Now he is for it as president. And remember, again, he refused to answer that question during the campaign. Yeah, yeah, that's well said, Deborah. You know, Deborah, the transformation of Joe Biden 
is remarkable. I mean, you just, and you're so right with what you say, because we've all seen those videos and recordings and tapes of Biden over the years, more than once. I mean, he, he was confirmed. I mean, in fact, he, he used some really interesting descriptives, Deborah, as I recall, and adjectives to, to reference that it would be absolutely outrageous. And like, you know, in Joe Biden fashion over the top that you would never pack the Supreme Court. But yet all of a sudden, it's like it's perfectly good. I don't think Joe is really running the program here, is he? Again, I have to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's do this. Deborah, stay right there a moment. I want to bring someone else on now and introduce uh, someone else I'm really excited to have on the program here. And uh, I, I would like you to meet here, Norma Camaro Reno. And uh, she is the president of Casa Venezuela Tampa Bay, a civil rights activist. Uh, she's a Venezuelan attorney uh, with a master's in international law and business law from Stetson University. Uh, excited to have you here, Norma. Welcome to the Voice of a Nation. Thank you, Mark. And the pleasure is mine. Yeah, terrific. All right. Let's talk about the dangers of what we see here right now. Now, listen, in full disclosure with you, and I think listeners will know, this is a topic, uh, Norma, that has been, um, I'm very passionate about. Uh, well, let me say to you this, when it comes to anything that's America, I'm very passionate about America. Uh, as a patriot, I love our country and love our freedoms and our people. And so I think listeners know that. But this topic about what we're talking about now in Venezuela is, uh, is, is an important one. From time to time, we've had Debbie D'Souza on, who was also born in Venezuela as a young child, and seen the uh, takeover of what had happened in Ven Venezuela with, with Chavez there uh, and um, the way he maneuvered things. You, you were born there as well. Tell, let's give a quick history lesson now, Norma, as to what happened in Venezuela and why we should really, really, really pay attention here in America right now with what's happening with this initiative of the Supreme Court. Um, listening to uh, the, what you were talking with Deborah, mm -hmm. uh, all we had to do in the United States is look at what happened in Venezuela. Because they, in the United States, they are taking the same step one by one by the left. And, and they are going to take this country and, and, and convert it in, in a country like Venezuela. Uh, they, they will be disarming the population. They will try to amend the constitution. They will start packing and purging, not only packing, but purging the uh, Supreme Court. And uh, those steps were, were taken by Chavez when he won in 1999. And he won as a democratic candidate. He said, I am not a communist. And three days later, he went on TV and he says, I am a Marxist-Leninist. So we knew what was coming. And uh, we follow. We started reading what happened in Cuba because Cuba was taking over Venezuela. And he took the same steps that Fidel Castro did in Venezuela. And he, he did the packing of the constitution of the new law. And one of the biggest problems of, of the packing the, the, the court is they created 
a new constitutional chamber, a new constitutional room where all the decisions were made in the office of the president. So in, in, in my opinion, the, the most important part of the constitution of the United States is the separation of powers, check and balances. If you have the separation of, of powers, you're protected. But back in, back in the court, you're losing check and balances because all the power is going to be uh, based on uh, one of the, the, the most, the, in one of the powers, which is the presidential power. Uh, and the, the president is going to be taking all the decision. And we know this is not going to be uh, Biden. He's not going to be making the decision. Biden is just somebody that they put there because, okay, he looks good. He's a nice guy and uh, we can control him. Mm -hmm. There is a group of people that is going to be taking over and they are going to take all the steps to control this nation. And they are doing it already. And they needed to have a, 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 a vice president that they could control and was completely to the left and they have it. Yeah. So what is happening in these countries is exactly the same what happened in Venezuela. They made a mistake with President Trump because they were sure that President Trump was not going to win. And when they found, you know, when they lost the election and President Trump won, the, won it, they knew that they have to regroup and start all over again. And they immediately did. And they came up with all this uh, revolutionary uh, idea of taking over uh, the power. But it's nothing new. It's, it's being done, it was done in Bolivia, it was done in Nicaragua, it was done in Ecuador, not now, but before it was done in Ecuador, it was done in Venezuela, and now they're doing it here. And many people do not realize that we are taking the same steps to convert this country into a socialist or communist, because it's the same thing, same thing. When you talk about socialism and communism, it's the same thing. That's right. So they're taking the same steps. So the, the, the danger of packing the, 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 the court is losing checks and balances. If we lose check and balances, you can be sure that you have lost this country, that you have lost this republic that is going to take probably 50 years to get it back. Just look at at Cuba and Venezuela. Well, that's if we ever get it back at that point, you know, once it's lost. I mean, it's a, like you say, it's a fight and then some here. Uh, but that is so well said, Norma. Thank you for putting that out there. Stay right there. We'll be right back with you here. But that is just perfect here. You say some very important things. And the other thing to remind folks, uh, back in the late 90s, as uh, Norma was referencing there with uh, Hugo Chavez there, um, you see, and this is what's eerie about it, he promised everything to the Venezuelans. And let me say to you as well, the Venezuelan people are remarkable, are amazing. I mean, they really, I've got several friends uh, from Venezuela. They really are a, a country of richness and pride. And they were stripped of all of this, all their patriotism, everything. You know, you know, Chavez said one thing, just like our politicians now are doing. And then when he got into power, it was the bait and switch that Norma referenced there. 
And he promised everything for free. It does, does this sound familiar to you out there? He promised education, free education, free medical, a free social, free utilities, free you know, monies, free incomes, everything. He promised all these things. And then again, Venezuela went from being the richest country in Latin America to the poorest. And now, uh, truth be told, you can't seem to even find a roll of toilet paper on the shelf there. And that's not because of a storm coming by. They have a bigger storm. It's called Marxism, communism, socialism, as Norma is saying. They're all one and the same. It's just how you package it up. But you have to remember as well, the left is very, very good. The Marxist left, they, have, I mean, they get a really great grade when it comes to packaging and putting programs out there and changing the names. They do it all the time. They'll change the name of the program and they'll fool people and continue to push their narratives in a different way, in a different light. That's one of the danger signs that I, I think people are not really paying attention. <clears throat> you know, and the other thing is they're still packaging themselves up as a soft Democrat party, like they're just a normal political party. I'm here to tell you the Democrat party is no longer. The party of JFK is no longer. JFK ran today, he would clearly run as a Republican, you see? I mean, it wouldn't be on the Marxist left, you know? I mean, he, he, he knew that was a cancer. He fought against that. Um, and, and so, you know, this is where <clears throat> this party, this uh, Democrat party has really been taken over. I started talking a few years ago about the end of the Democrat Party. I've seen this coming several years back, actually, my friends. And, and I told you about it, that I thought we were coming to the end of that party. But you know, what happens is when you come to the end of something, uh, they, it becomes empowered because the stakes are incredibly high and you've got nothing to lose. And I think that's what's happening here with the Democrat. This is a gasp. Because, you know, well, they had eight years under a Marxist president of Barack Obama, you know, eight years of that nonsense, you see. And that kind of took the country down a far wicked path. The things he did and the people he put in uh, government agencies, uh, I mean, he did, a, it, it was a cancer. He started to initiate with this hope and change deal. His hope and change was he was hoping like hell to change America into a Marxist state. Well, he, he couldn't get it done in eight years. And so that eight years, and, and that's when America stood up. And as Norma was just saying, you know, Hillary Clinton didn't get the nod to be the, uh, she didn't, you know, she didn't get it. They thought she was, you know, going to be the, um, the first woman president and all, but it didn't happen. And instead, the unlikely happened. They put the businessman from New York in that was going to drain the swamp and change all of that. And again, he didn't know the landscape of Washington. He's a non-political fellow. He's not a politician, clearly. I mean, the guy didn't have the uh, political uh, astuteness uh, uh, to be able to do that. But he did have a lot of New York brashness in him. And the people were behind Trump to do to clear the deck. Uh, that made a lot of difference. And I think some progress was made in those four years so much that I think it woke the Marxists left up in a big, big way. And they got nervous. And I think that's what you're seeing right now is a power grab to the likes of what we've never seen because I believe they're on their last gasp. I think they recognize that the Democrat party is out in the sunlight. 
There, this is why we're in such a dangerous moment. I'm telling you right now, my fellow Americans, this is why this is so dangerous. This is why this is not casual. This is why you can't take this for granted. This is why the time for action is now. This is why the power has to be, we have to remind the people, the power is with we the people. They work for us. You just have to, you got, we got to keep reminding them of that. You know, so yeah, keep nine. This initiative is is a you know should happen. I mean, this is a clear sense that this uh, should be uh, th this should be a, a, an amendment. No, no question about it. You know, uh, the Supreme Court uh, should be composed of nine justices. Period. End of story. And you know, we could talk about the rest of it again. It's not perfect, but it is the checks and balances we have. In, in, in a political stew here where the power swings from left to right like a pendulum in a storm, right? This is what, what we deal with here. But it is we the people who have to raise their voices louder and get there. So uh, we are speaking today with Deborah Tamargo. Uh, we have uh, the uh, Venezuelan attorney Norma Camero Reno on with us. We have another constitutional expert coming on later to talk more about this uh, on the voice of a nation. Listen, I, I want to remind you and take a moment to tell you that, wow, we are just growing like a rocket ship as we celebrate 245 years here with you. Of course, I haven't been here 245 and you haven't either, but our great nation has for sure. Uh, but, you know, there's something so proudful about uh, Independence Day, you know, and it really is. We really need to call that Independence Day, not the 4th of July. It is Independence Day. That's what it is. You see? And it happens to be on the 4th of July by chance, but it is our independence that our founders and great Americans fought for, for this uh, amazing nation. And now, everything is back at AmericaOutloud.com. My friends, we are on the march for liberty and justice for all. And I'll tell you, it is remarkable the people who are searching and seeking out this network and this platform uh, because the Marxist left have bought all the media over. They own all the social media. They own all the media and the television and the newspapers and the whole bit, lock, stock and barrel. This is why patriots, Americans and patriots and lovers of our Constitution and our nation are looking for exactly what America Out Loud is. We're a voice of truth and freedom and liberty and justice for all. It's important. Be sure to share the stories, the articles, the columnists from all over the globe that are on our platform. All of our shows go to podcast on the network here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And you can catch them on, oh, everything, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart. Uh, there are hundreds and hundreds of networks we are on on podcast. Uh, our show here, The Voice of a Nation, can be heard daily, weekdays, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. You know, you catch me here on the dial here. And there's an encore at 10 p.m. Uh, you catch The Voice of a Nation. We will bring you the latest here. And the shows do go to podcast a couple of days later. Now, one footnote I want to tell you, one of our national sponsors, Healthy Cell, you hear me talk about it all the time. This is an amazing product. I've been taking it for three and a half years because, well, it works. That's why. 
It's a gel pack. It replaces vitamins entirely. I cannot recommend this enough. That's why you hear doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough, you hear Dr. Elizabeth Lee Vliet and so many others on our network talk about this product. It's an amazing product. Now, the one I want to point out to you is the one I've been telling you about in recent days, and it's the Immune Super Boost. You know, COVID has taught us all a lesson in how to live, that we have to be conscious and careful of our immune systems, our, our body. Everything is our immune system and the health of our cells. If you've got a good immune system, you're going to be able to fight the flu. You're going to be able to fight the virus, whatever it is, whether it's COVID or something else. You're going to be in a good position to do that. But you have to keep your immune system well. I talk to you all the time about lifestyle, getting out and walking and living and breathing and enjoying those beautiful green trees that are free planted here in our America, right? I love being outside and walking and sidewalks of life and just love it, you know? Uh, but it is lifestyle. I can't encourage you more to get out and breathe a little bit in the open air, right? And be sure you take healthy cell. Now this immune super boost, I gotta tell you right now, it's incredible. You get effective doses of vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, echinacea in there, extract, and elderberry, all the things that fight. Well, if you've been following this, it, uh, viruses and colds and, uh, and of course, COVID, absolutely. So all of our listeners get 20% off their first order. Just use the code OUTLOUD or just click the banner ad back at AmericaOutloud.com and you get it. You get the 20% off. And so we thank you very much for uh, being with us here. We're going to continue on here with Keep 9 and uh, we'll take a pause and we'll join you on the other side. You're listening to The Voice of a Nation. Because of COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. AmericaOutloud.com. Simply put, we're patriots who believe in Ronald Reagan's vision of a shining city on a hill. From sea to shining sea, you can listen in on iHeartRadio. Our free apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa, or our world-class media player. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. And we 
join you back on The Voice of a Nation. It is yours truly here, Malcolm Out Loud. It is good to be with you here. Thank you for being with us on the mission. This is an important mission today now. This is about the Supreme Court and it's about Keep Nine. Uh, by the way, there is a petition you can sign to become part of this. I'll tell you more about that, uh, keepnine.org. Um, and you'll see sign uh, the uh, petition right there at that website. We'll put links on all this when it goes to podcasts, rest assured. And I'll continue to put it out uh, to our listeners and areas that we can on social media as well. Uh, but again, go to keepnine.org just after the show here and check it out fully and help us get the word out there uh, and get folks to sign the petition uh, more so that this needs to happen. Now, uh, I want to uh, bring it back here. And, you know, I started to ask, first of all, we're joined by two terrific uh, voices here. Deborah Tamargo joins us. And uh, she is a uh, current uh, president of the Florida Federation of Republican Women and the National Federation of Republican Women Board of Directors. And they are uh, part of this initiative. They, they really have gotten this initiative together, uh, Keep Nine. So we'll talk with Deborah more about that. Also joining us back is Norma Camaro Reno. And uh, she is a Venezuelan attorney. Uh, been here for over 40 years now. She is an American, clearly. And uh, she's a civil rights activist. And you heard her speak so eloquently in the front of part of the program. Uh, about the dangers of Venezuela and what we have to do to change all of this. Now, I want to I want to go to Norma here first. And Norma, I've got to ask you something here that I was asking Deborah up front in the program and talking to her. And it was okay. So anytime you try to add an amendment, it's a big deal. It's not easy. And this was by design. Uh, the framers made it so that it is difficult to change the structure of things. And so to add an amendment, you have to have two thirds majority in the House and the Senate. And then it has to be ratified by three quarter of the states, three fourths of the states. That's a lot. That means you've got to have a consensus uh, to be able to get in there and do uh, this sort of thing and add this amendment. Now, uh, all right. If I want you to talk a moment in your feelings about what it would take to get this. I mean, I'm just wondering, as I came on today, I was thinking out loud here, which is what I do, but I was thinking, well, is this just in theory, the keep nine? Is it real? Could we really do this? Does it have a shot? Um, talk to me on that. Does it have a shot? And how could, how could we pull this off? Uh, when I heard about the, uh, <clears throat> uh, Packing of, packing of the court right. and uh, what they were trying to do to stop it. And I say, I'm, you know, I, I'm not very optimistic. Why? If you look back and how these other countries have been doing the packing and purging of the, of the uh, Supreme Court, it's very difficult to face these people because when they make the decision to do it, they know they have the vote. They know the, ste the steps they have to take. I, I, I'm very surprised and I love what they're doing and I'm going to support it all the way, but I'm not very optimistic. Uh, for them, it is very important to do the packing of the court mm -hmm. because that's the only way that they can seize complete power. Yeah. Complete power in the country and rule 
as tyrants and, 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 and uh, uh, strategies to integrate the rules in the court. So I am not very optimistic. Uh, all I have to do is, or all people need to do is go back and look, don't, don't look at all this country, just look at Venezuela since 1999 and, and uh, three years later in 2002 when they did the packing and the steps they took. If we follow what Venezuela has been doing for years to remain in possession of power and perpetuate themselves in power, that's what they're gonna be doing here. All we have to do is educate ourselves. This new uh, proposal, well, I, I, I hope, and I will, I will be very surprised if, if it passes. Mm -hmm. Well, that's because it's hard to get that many people to agree on anything in our country at this point, isn't it, Norma? You know, I mean, we're at such division and on opposite sides of all these discussions. And as you say, to get these numbers, two third majorities in both uh, uh, branches there, um, the House and Senate and in uh, three quarters of the states, is, it sounds like a monumentous a deal. Uh, but again, as you point out right now, Norma, though, but that's how they seize the power. In other words, I mean, they're talking about, okay, add in D.C. and as a state. They've already pushed that initiative. The House already passed that. Uh, they're trying to get the Senate to take that up to do that. And then they want Puerto Rico not far behind that. That's so they can add four more senators. And that's another argument for another day, because there's a reason D.C. is not a state. It's not supposed to be. The frame is that was in by design as well, that it wouldn't be conflict and under the jurisdiction of a state when it's right. the federal government. That made perfect sense, didn't it? You know? Right. right. And, and, and uh, we have to remember that uh, when you start uh, the socialism or communism in a country, it is, it is done by steps, little steps at a time. And that's what they are doing. And to the people is the same thing. Right now, they are in the stage of denial. If you talk to somebody about what is happening in this country, the first reaction they say is, oh no, it's not gonna happen here. We have check and balances. No, you, ca you cannot do that here. That happened in Venezuela and Bolivia, Nicaragua, whatever you want, but not in the United States. And that is the danger. Well, because it is a danger, Norma, because people, they, t I, I get a, you know, I get a sense. Do you get the same sense that too many Americans take our country for granted? Right, right. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and we can't take it for granted. There's no way, uh, you know. So let, let's talk more now about this, uh, the, the importance of this. Uh, sign the petition. Let's keep you right there, Norma, and uh, available. And I want to bring Deb right into our conversation. We'll, we'll keep it open to all of us here now. And uh, now, Deborah, I want you to answer Norma back when she says, I mean, she puts it right out there and very honestly, she says, listen, I'm not optimistic. Uh, I'm just not. Would you talk to that point, please? Are, are you or do you have that same feeling? Well, I'm cautiously optimistic. And what we're doing today and what we're doing at the National Federation of Republican Women is to create awareness, to create uh, a, an action, a movement on the seriousness of the court to explain, educate about the value of the Supreme Court, the independence that it was intended to have. It really is a citizen responsibility 
But I agree on the downside with Norma. More and more and more people are putting their lives in the hands of government, whether it's healthcare or education or energy. They are just abdicating their personal responsibility, their responsibility to their children, to their health care. And they're just allowing government to make decisions for them. Why? Because they want the check or they want the freedom or they're going to eliminate the debt. Um, what we have got to do during this next year is really stress the fundamental um, need for this initiative in order to survive. We need an independent court. The rule of law will not stand if we pervert the courts, if we purge the courts, if we pack the courts. We will no longer have three co-equal branches of government. So what I can say to people is, yes, go online, sign the petition, but we need you to do more. We need you to fight to protect the independence of our government, three co-equal branches, the checks and the balances. And how can you do that? Get involved in the initiative more than signing a petition. Uh, they can go to NFRW.org and join any NFRW club throughout the United States and be active in advocating, in discussing educating. And of course, the important step is to get your member of Congress to sign uh, onto the bill that's in the House and in the Senate to keep nine. So I'm act asking for activists. I'm asking for U.S. citizens to take this seriously, to assume the responsibility, to ensure that our Supreme Court is never manipulated and that it remains independent. All right, so we're going to need uh, what what Deborah's putting out there is truly a grassroots movement, right, Deborah? That's what you're. It's got to be. Yeah, that Absolutely. see, and that's what works in our country. And Deborah, you know that. That's that's how the power always is, and that's how you get things done. So, all right. So here's the deal. Back to this optimisticness, and and Norma is with us again. Uh, who's who's again? Norma's a legal mind, so this is really good to have her on with us as well. And she said, well. Uh, uh, you know, all right, Deborah says, I'm cautiously optimistic. I get it. Norma says, well, I'm really not optimistic. She'd like to be optimistic, but she's looking at the numbers and we know this. So here's how you change this. Let me explain to something to everybody here. There, there's only one measurement and one way you can change this outcome. So for us to get Norma to say, well, you know, I'm actually optimistic now. We can do this. I think it could happen. For her to say that, what would that take? Well, I'm going to guess, and I'll let you speak to that in a moment, Norma, but I'm going to guess that would take a massive grassroots movement. So here's the thing. If we get people involved and we get, you know, more people engaged with the process and we get them, in other words, that if the people demand it, here's, please understand what I'm saying here, my fellow Americans, okay? If the people demand it, it can happen but the people have to demand it. And let me say one other thing. This isn't a Republican or Democrat challenge or issue. It's an American issue. It's not a Democrat, it, it, you know, Deborah already pointed out, it was Democrats who initially had this initiative. Mm 
It was Biden himself who said many times over the last 20 years, this would be a crazy idea. I mean, in his very uh, animated, uh, colorful way, he said that. He, he's on plenty of recordings about saying that. And so there's a reason he knew this was a crazy idea, you see? And so here we are. We know the cancer is there. So the way to change all this now, I'm thinking, what can I do? And one of the things I will do is put a link up, a permanent link on our homepage to this petition, first of all, uh, to keep9.org, just to sign the petition. I'm going to put it right up there for the Supreme Court, but I'm going to ask you out there to help us push this out there and to get people. But it takes more than that, as Deborah's just saying. We got to get everybody to get more involved, and you got to call your representatives who work for you. And you have to remind them who work for you, who, you know, they want their paycheck next, right? And they want to stay in office and what have you. So because they work for you, you need to remind them, since you are their boss, remind them that this is what they need to do. And remind them this, this isn't the left or right or Republican or Democrat. This is an American deal. That's what this is. Norma, speak to that, please. I, I totally agree with you. Uh, Grassroots is the way to go. And reminding people that packing, packing the country's highest court, they are betraying the, the principle of the checks and balances, separation of powers. And they will be degrading democracy in this country, just like they have done in all these countries around. We have to remind people that they are at the edge of losing their freedom that freedom that so many have died to offer us, to give us. If they don't do something about it right now, starting right now, they are going to lose this country. And, and there is no doubt about it. I'm not talking about just losing power here and there. You're going to lose sovereignty. You're going to lose freedom. You're going to be surrounded by criminals because that's what packing does. We need to really, really work on, on educating people and letting them know, know the danger that packing and purging the constitution, I mean, the core yeah. piece. Yeah, and it really is at a milestone here at 245 years in. You know, Deborah, I've been thinking ahead. I remember as a young, young, young lad. Did I say young, Deborah? As a young, young, young lad, I remember 1976, you know, I almost slipped, ever, and I almost said, I remember 1776. Wow, would that have been a bad thing? Uh, I do remember 1976 as a young lad, and I remember that, that moment of pride in our country, 200 years, the bicentennial, wow. And now it's been dawning on me in recent days, and I don't hear much about this out there, but... I'll tell you what, Deborah, we're coming to another milestone in our country, 250 years. Wow, wow, wow. Huh? <laughs> uh, amazing. And, you know, really to Norma and others who may be somewhat disheartened, we do have to remember that we have passed constitutional amendments. Yes, they're difficult to enact. But we had success with a woman's right to vote. That was a hundred year anniversary last year. We also uh, repealed prohibition. 
And one of them that we all remember is uh, giving 18 year olds the right to vote. So that one was, you know, in our modern era. So it's not simple. It's not easy. But it is uh, it is a way to maintain our independence and to continue with this constitutional republic, this experiment Mm. in freedom. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Deborah, that is so important what you say a moment ago. Thank you for reminding people that in current day, we have had successes with this before. You're exactly right. Uh, It's made not to, this is designed because you only do this when it's an important item, which you just pointed out several examples. Perfect. But it is an important item. And this is also an important item. And it, and it needs the same clarity. We need to, we need to look at this with the same clarity. So again, the, 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 and the final moment here, Deborah, the rallying call and the action is keep9.org, correct? Correct. Okay, we'll sign the petition. I'm gonna put a permanent link up for this. I, my heart tells me to do this. Uh, I feel it's something we need to do. And uh, so we, we will do exactly this, you know, and we will, we will do everything we can at America Out Loud to uh, get the megaphone out there uh, and uh, fight for liberty and justice for all. It's what we're about here, my fellow Americans. Um, what a, a terrific opportunity uh, and such a joy to have uh, Deborah Tamargo and Norma Camiro Reno on with us. First time I've, I've had um, both of these ladies on, and I certainly look forward to doing it again. Uh, but they are both so well spoken about uh, this issue, which is an important issue. I can't beg of you enough out there, my fellow Americans, to help us. Please get this out there. Keep nine. I'm going to do everything I can uh, with links and promotion and putting this out there. I feel very passionate about this. It's a very important initiative. Um, And you know how it is with certain initiatives here. I take under uh, our wings here at America Out Loud. We we want America to get out loud. Uh, We want it to be real. We want it to be authentic. We want it to be out loud, the out loud truth. That's what we're looking for here with this initiative here, Keep Nine. It is absolutely important we do that. Uh, listen, get back to americaoutloud.com. Again, keep9.org. Uh, we've got second hour coming up in just moments here with a constitutional expert coming on. We'll dive and continue to talk about all of this ahead here. Thank you, my fellow Americans, for being with me on the mission. It's time to get involved and get loud. The heart and soul of a nation beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul, the challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. You know, we celebrate, as I was suggesting to you earlier, 245 amazing years Uh, this great republic experiment of America here. 
And as we approach this magical moment, I reminded you of earlier, 250 years, which is coming quick now. You know, again, I remember as a young, young, young boy, and I do stress the word young, in 1976, with the bicentennial, what a moment that was, huh? Wow, I mean, almost like we were now with the, with the big dogs, 200 years. Young nation, still a very young nation by any stretch. Looking around the world historically at the history of many of these nations, and then looking back at the United States of America in the experiment that we were, where this time it was the people who ran the party it, were, it was the people who controlled the destiny. Yeah, that's what this was all about. This was the people, we the people. This was not about King George. It wasn't about a dictator of a third world country. It wasn't about a power grab from a political party. This was about we the people. Now, there's a reason that document starts in fact with we the people. I mean, how ingenious is that in itself? Think about it. We the people doesn't say we the government, we the we the bureaucrats, right? We the Congress, right? We we the Supreme Court doesn't say any of that. It starts with we the people, we the people. That's magical, absolutely magical. I get goosebumps just by putting that out there. You know, we the people, don't you? Sure you do. That's called being a patriot, understanding the value. Uh, the expressiveness of our beautiful nation and what we've come to be and stand for, not just for our people, but as a symbol of light and hope, the shining city on a hill that's seen from all around the globe. And I'm sure it is seen on other planets as well as looking at this experiment, these United States of America. Hmm. It is a magical moment. <clears throat> now, the power grab we're dealing with right now is an important one. If they are able to expand the Supreme Court, and keep in mind, this commission was put in place already, uh, which I shared with you up front. There's a 36-member commission that was appointed by Joe Biden uh, that uh, is, you know, consisted of legal scholars, retired judges, practicing lawyers. You can only guess in your imagination what sort of ideology they would be, right? I mean, just like a president would appoint a Supreme Court justice with that sort of belief system of that ideology in the court, who do you think he would appoint in this particular committee that would come up with their suggestions, just suggestions, but one that they can go to the American people and the media with, who's all too happy to take whatever he throws up, right? And say, okay, well, this is what they say. That's, we'll blame it on them, this, this commission. See, that's where the danger is in all of this, actually, is that, and, and he goes about it in such a way, but, you know, everything has a purpose here, and also everything is out in the light of day. There are no secrets anymore, people. There are no secrets with what they wish to do. It's all out in the light of day. We can all see now what's happening. So I cannot stress enough at this moment, please, please hear this. This is not a Republican or a Democrat problem. It's not a left or a right problem. It's not a man or a woman problem. It's not a black or white problem. This is an American problem. This is a we the people problem. That's where this is at. 
This is about we the people who always have the power to step up and say, well, no, we're not going to play it that way. We're going to play it this way, you see. Now, up front in the program, we had Deborah Tamargo, who is uh, part of the initiative who put the Keep Nine out there of the National Federation of Republican Women on the board of directors there. Uh, she's a powerhouse. And uh, we are so grateful for her time to set the record straight in this initiative to sign the petition, which, by the way, you can find the link to that petition right back at AmericaOutloud.com. We have it on the home page and you'll find it right there because we think it's that important that you sign this. But you have to do more than sign this. Don't think your work is done when you sign this. you got to make a, a phone call to your representatives who work for you. you got to call your congressman and senator. And you, you got to get a hold of them and, and say to them, this is what I need you to do. And you need to remind them because you are their boss. And that's how they get paid. It's because of we the people and they work for you. You elected them there. So you need to remind them uh, that this is what your wishes are. And that goes for Democrats, Republicans, independents, everybody. Okay. Again, this is don't let anybody fool you. In fact, it was Democrats who had actually came up with this initial initiative of keep nine. It was Joe Biden himself who said all those years, this would be a crazy idea to pack the core. Now, they said all that because of historical reasons. They said they looked at other countries. It's not just Venezuela. There's a whole host of countries who tried this sort of thing. It has never worked. It fails every single time. And here we are. I mean, and, now, and yet it's right out in the open here, what's trying to take place here. So that's, that's what we're charged with right now. It is time to wake the rest of the people up, the rest of the country up. We, the people, must come together for this initiative. Also joining us in the first hour was Norma Camero Reno. Uh, she's a Venezuelan attorney and uh, a, a civil rights activist and a strong voice out there of the rule of law. And it was awesome to have her input on, on this initiative, Keep Nine as well. Uh, the importance of this. Um, so I, I can't stress enough because we, if this, if they succeed at this, we've lost. It's, it's all over. The checks and balances that you thought we had and that you thought represented our government is done. It is over at that point. We have lost. And it would take I, an awful lot to reverse that energy of what they have in place. Because don't forget, they're talking about adding states. They're they have all kinds of initiatives that will impact your First Amendment, your Second Amendment, and many other initiatives that you would call freedom and liberty. So that's the fight we have here, my fellow Americans, and it is a tremendous fight. Joining us on the program now is Paul Engel. And Paul heads up the Constitution Study He's uh, dedicated his life uh, to this end and what we're speaking about right now. He's an author, speaker, radio host, spent more than 20 years studying and teaching. And I love this, both the Bible and the U.S. Constitution. Wow. <laughs> his show plays 4 p.m. weekdays. It is a very popular show, The Constitution Study on America Out Loud Talk Radio. All those shows go to podcast and can absolutely be found back at AmericaOutloud.com. Paul Engel, welcome to the Voice of a Nation. Thank you, Malcolm. It's wonderful to be here. 
Yeah, it is great to, to be able to talk to you on air about some of these things. So let's uh, go to this initiative now, this amendment. Now, this keep nine. So here's what it would take. It, as it was just pointed out in the earlier segment from Deborah to Margot, it, it has been done in modern times when women were given the right to vote uh, in prohibition. There were multiple initiatives in modern day where this amendment thing worked. Now, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's by design that it is not easy to do. So you only need to bring serious business to this initiative or there's no way it happens. You're not really going to get a partisan idea through here ever. So this is why it's intended this way from the framers. Now, it would take two thirds majority in the House and Senate and have to be ratified by three fourths of the states but it has to be serious enough business for that to happen. Speak about that in historical context, Paul, first, if you will, of what the measurement of that is and how tall of an order this really truly is. Well, I do wanna make one correction. The women were not given the right to vote by amendment. Their right to vote was protected by the amendment. There was, no, you know, there, there was no national law that said women could not vote. Um, but there were several states that denied women the right to vote. That was protected. And I'm a little particular about words like that. I love that. I, I love that you are so detailed and initiative to point out that, well, this is really the importance of this. And that's, that's perfect, brother. Perfect. Go ahead. Well, to, to understand why the process is what it is, we have to understand something very important about the Constitution. It's a compact it's an agreement between the states. Yes, we the people do ordain and establish this constitution. We did it through the states. The states are the parties to the compact. Therefore, the states are the only entities able to modify the compact. That's why you need three quarters of the states to ratify any change to the constitution. Uh, it's it's you know, three quarters. You, you can't get uh, just a handful of states to do this. You're talking three-fourths of all the states. Now, the interesting thing is there are actually two different ways to propose amendments. One, the only one we've ever used, as you mentioned, was two-thirds of both the House and the Senate agreed to a proposed amendment, which then goes to the states for ratification. There's a lot of talk nowadays about a, con a convention of states to propose new amendments. Right. But regardless of the method of, pro of the proposal, it goes to the states and three quarters of them uh, have to approve it. Now, there's a, it can be approved either by a convention within the state or by the state legislature, which method used is actually determined by Congress when they send the proposed amendment to the states for ratification. They say, you know, please ratify this by convention or please ratify this by your, legisla by your legislature. Okay, and why would they do one or the other? Tell us. Um, it, it really comes down to uh, either a question of politics or propriety. So, for example, it, it, when uh, we change the method of selecting senators, uh, do you really want the, sen the state senators voting on whether or not um, the, the state legislature voting on whether or not their powers are going to be changed? No, you probably would rather have a convention. And that was the, the role of, you know, part of the, the only two powers Congress has regarding amendments are uh, calling a convention if requested by the states and sending this to the, um, 
to the states for ratification. Um, you know, yet they can so they can propose it. They can um, they can call the convention if requested by the states. But when it comes to the actual ratification, the only thing they get to do is say, "Here you go, states, please ratify this either by convention or by legislator." by the legislature and the legislature would be quicker, right? Cause you don't have to call a convention in all the States. Right. But if, if you're trying to control a state legislature, do you really want to give the state legislature the power to vote on whether or not their power is going to be controlled? Mm, interesting. That that's what I was looking for right there. That's it. That's the caveat, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, again, it's, it's all, everything's been politicized, but that was the original intent of, of why Congress got to choose which method of ratification. Yeah. So with some being red states, some being blue states, you can see right away that, uh, you know, we need between what, 35 and 40 states to approve this thing, right? 38 states. Yeah, exactly. And so that, so 36 won't work, uh, nope. but, for, but 40 will. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, right. So, I mean, it's a tall order. Now, you're not going to get some states, clearly. You, you may not get Calizuela. You, you may not get <laughs> New, New Yorkism. Uh, you know, you may not get some of those Marxist states already. Uh, but a lot of, and you, you probably wouldn't get Washington State. You probably wouldn't get Oregon. You probably wouldn't get a lot of those, would you? Illinois. No. And you act on, from my point of view, the reason is quite simple. Um, the courts have all been politicized. The amendment process has been politicized and the the one of the defining features of both political parties are the ends justify the means. And I see this in, in you know, Republicans and Democrats, a, a box on both their houses. Um, I've seen them both do it where, OK, what we're doing is probably wrong, but it gets us the end that we want. So we do it. And court packing is nothing new. Uh, actually, the first time they tried to pack the courts was uh, back in 1800. John Adams tried to pack the federal courts, not the Supreme Court, the rest of the federal courts, which gave us the infamous Marbury versus Madison case that so many constitutional lawyers refer back to, uh, claiming that the Supreme Court gave itself the power to overturn legislation. So this is, this and, and then in modern days, uh, more everybody would reference back to uh, Roosevelt, right? Yep, Roosevelt. Roosevelt threatened it, but even the, his fellow Democrats said, "No, no, no, that's a step too far." So yeah, but he we, wanted uh, it. He wanted it to get his new deal uh, through. He was right. It, yeah, because he's he had all of these unconstitutional programs sure. that he wanted to pass, and the court kept saying no, which is was their job. They said, no, the constitution doesn't grant you this authority. So he threatened them and said, well, if you don't start passing my, if you don't start approving uh, of my legislation, then uh, I'm going to pack the courts with people who will. And the court folded like a cheap suit. They, they buckled under, which is how, why we end up with uh, the TVA and uh, all, all the, the CCC and all of these um these programs that are unconstitutional, illegal, and many of them still exist today because as uh, I believe it was Franklin said that the courts would be the last best, no, I'm sorry, it was Senator Kennedy that said the courts are sometimes the last protection of liberty and the courts in 1940 folded, they failed. We, we went right to the last, we have all of these tripwires, all these ways to stop bad legislation for moving forward. We got all the way to the last one 
and it folded. It just shows how dangerous it is to leave so much of our rights in the hands of a few high priests in black robes. You know, we talk about Adams, we talk about Roosevelt here, and I want to ask you, when you look at this historical moment of time, Paul, right now, I'm thinking here, because you've just laid out very well the power grab, because they couldn't get their um, socialist programs through, well, or best way to say it is what you said, they were unconstitutional, which really didn't mean a lot to them at the point. I mean, these people... You know, there are a lot of people who don't really honor our Constitution or understand the, the majesty of and the, uh, how magnificent this Constitution is. Beyond the Bible, it's the second most important document ever. And, and, you, and you studied both and, and, and talk about both, but those are the two big ones right there. And, you know, I'm just wondering this moment of time we're in right now, Paul, how does this set up? I mean, what's different about this? Because, the, listen, the Republic prevailed through those other moments of time. And I'm just reminding ourselves, my, myself and all our listeners, that, all right, this isn't the first time we've been uh, compromised. We, we've been uh, put to task, you know, and here we are again at 245 years again, we're put to task. We're being compromised again. What anything different about this time, or or will this too shall pass? Uh, there's one very drastic difference between this time, and that is the continual slide into ignorance and apathy of the American people. Um, the 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 basic understanding of the Constitution, the basic understanding of the roles of governments at all levels, uh, are missing in America. We've been educated out of the basic understanding of the Constitution. So since we don't hold it reverently, we don't recognize its importance to protecting our safety and our liberty, those we hire to represent us don't hold it in, to, in, in, as the supreme law of the land. And when they hire judges in our name, they not only don't require that they uh, honor their oath to support the Constitution, they actively tell them, if you do, I won't vote for you. How many times have you heard a senator during a, a Supreme Court nomination hearing ask if they would uphold stare decisis, the, the previous opinion of a court above the Supreme Law of the land? Would, you know, do they support stare decisis? Or often used, will you support Roe v. Wade? And they place that the opinion of a judge above what the constitution actually says. Yeah. You know, I have been wanting to talk to you about something um, in regards to a uh, big picture now, but the Supreme court, we have three branches of government uh, checks and balances. That's the concept, right, Paul? Yes. Okay. Supreme court specifically, one of the things I never really, I'm, I, I can't, connect all of this. I've always had a, young, a challenge, even as a young lad, of understanding this. We always talk about checks and balances, and we talk about the three branches and how they hold this whole thing up, which is the hierarchy of the United States government, and that, um, okay, that it is unique, and our Constitution is unique, and we the people are unique. Okay. The Supreme Court, however, it is such a already in my world anyways, and I'd like you to argue this back to me, please, is what I'd really like you to do. But 
it's already a political branch already. I, I already see that, and I've seen the erosion of the Supreme Court over the last 30 years, and I see it already gone. Now, not to say what we're talking about now would put the nail in that whole deal. Let me be clear. I'm not suggesting it's not important, but it already is pretty wounded as a branch of government that we talk about the checks and balances for, for a couple of reasons here. You know, it amazes me that nine jurists look at the same document and yet they all, and they're supposed to all be there with this oath to protect the constitution. Bar none, that's it. That's the deal. There's only one thing we ask them to do. That's it. We don't ask them to do anything else. Just do that, please. But do it well and protect that sacred document for us. Can you do that, jury? Asking each jurist to do that. Okay, super. With all that, all the decisions that come down that are 5-4, maybe a 6-3, 5-4. And I look and I think, wow. And I, even as a young guy, I would say, are these people all looking at the same document, I wonder? Well, then, and then I go, oh, I get it. <laughs> we got their ideology in play here. But then I say, well, well, no, wait a minute. They're not supposed to have their ideology. They're supposed to look at the document. The Constitution, right? That's the deal. But yet they're political appointees from our president. This thing is corrupted before we even start. How does this all work, Paul? Well, it, it's actually even worse than you described. Um, yes, they take an oath to support the Constitution. But the problem is we, the people, have stopped asking them to support the Constitution, but to support agendas. We had, and this is, by the way, this is nothing new. This does go all the way back to the early days of our republic, but even consider more recent times. Um, the Supreme Court in, came up with an opinion that said that abortion was constitutional. Whole cloth doesn't exist in the language, cannot be inferred from anything in the language. They made it up. We have um, Bostock. They said, oh, by the way, guess what now? Um, you have to had, or, or not Bostock, um, you have homosexual marriage. The states were working it out, uh, but we didn't want the states to work it out because we weren't getting the answer that certain people wanted. So we asked the court to do it. We didn't pass a law. We want the court to invent it. You have, uh, you get into Bostock, you get into even the recent uh, case. Um, I'm actually going to be writing about that shortly, Grimm versus Gloucester School Board, where the court refused to look at the constitutional issue behind uh, allowing transgender people in whatever bathroom they feel like at the moment. The American people stopped demanding that the, the court's behavior comply with the Constitution. The, the Supreme Court, none of the federal justices have lifetime appointments. Article, one, Article 3, Section 1 of the Constitution says they judges serve for the duration of their good behavior. So if we are asking people to say, support this position or not that position, not what the Constitution says, but we want you to support, we want you to be pro Roe v. Wade, anti Roe v. Wade. We want you to be pro homosexual marriage, anti homosexual marriage. We want you to be, you know, pro uh, florists and photographers being able to uh, deny service. We want you to be against them to be able to deny service. We've turned them into a political arm when they do act badly. I, you know, right now is my silly season. End of June is when the court comes out with all of their most controversial opinions. I've got 
all sorts of opinions I'm writing. And I've yet to, of the ones I've reviewed so far, I've yet to find one where the court found a, came to not only the right answer, but a constitutionally based answer because they no longer support the constitution. If you read a court's opinion, it is always based on a previous court's opinion. It is no longer the rule of law. The supreme law of the land is no longer the constitution. It's the opinion of nine high priests in black robes, which is why I refer to them that way. This is no longer the rule of law. It is the rule of whatever religion those nine people happen to feel like. Well, you bring up a great point. I hadn't thought of that before, Paul, when they go back to a uh, previous ruling, which they do all the time. Well, according to such and such, we did in 1932. That is the way we have to do it now. And I hear a lot of people, even the new jurists coming on, they always ask them those questions. Would you break those rules? So I, I'm guessing then, in a weird sort of way, Paul, and talk to this for a moment, but let me say this. I'm, I'm guessing... Everybody knows that we're screwing the system over. I'm guessing now that we're all sort of like playing with each other at this point, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm thinking, because we go back, they, in other words, they go back to these previous rulings, which were probably wrong when they did them. They say, well, we did that. And then when they had a new jury come on, they say, well, are you going to follow that? Because that historical president, they call it, is that, is that historical presidents? Is that right? Okay. Are you going to follow that? And it, that's what they do. Yeah, they, they, they come up with a nice fancy Latin word, stare decisis, let the decision stand. Right. Um, but it, it, it's exactly, you know, for example, everyone's heard of, uh, you know, First Amendment. We always talk about First Amendment and First Amendment freedoms. The court has a series of tests they call scrutiny. Is it, you know, strict scrutiny, moderate scrutiny? Do you know what they talk about when they talk about scrutiny? It's how hard the federal government has to work to prove they have the ability to infringe on your right. The whole idea of scrutiny is how, you know, how much, how important is it to government to execute, to, to enact some quote unquote compelling government interest to overturn, to infringe on your rights. Now there is nothing in the constitution that says that government can infringe on your rights if they've got a compelling government interest. I argue the Declaration of Independence says the primary government interest is to protect your rights, not to infringe on them. But because previous courts have said, okay, you can infringe, uh, a government can infringe on someone's rights under this situation or under that situation or under the other situation. Now it becomes an argument of, well, does this match one of those situations so that we can actually do what the Constitution says we actually cannot do? Yeah. I, 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 heard, I mean, these are nine of the most educated people who desperately need a basic reading comprehension course. Mm -mm -mm. They cannot comprehend the basic English when it says shall not be infringed or shall not be abridged or you shall not be deprived of life, liberty or property. Plain, simple English, yet they, they manipulate their own previous opinions because what we really have is we have a system where the outcome is predetermined in most cases, mm -hmm. and they're trying to find a way to get the law to support it. Mm. So what wow. you have is you have nine justices that look at a case, pretty much come up with their idea of this is how I think it should be, not what the law says, not what the Constitution says, this is what I think it should be. So they got to find a way to get the law to agree with them so that they can justify their opinion. And when you read the opinions of these courts, which unfortunately I have to do, you see it over and over and over again, where 
okay, we need to come up with a justification for the fact that uh, when the Constitution says you shall not be deprived, it means you shall not be deprived, not you can only be deprived if the court says so. Mm. So here is the challenge with all that uh, is that now we find ourselves uh, at this moment where I'm even questioning and saying, well, is it worth the paper it's even written on? And you do have to almost question that at this point. And here we are talking about keep nine. Well, of course, the nine we have aren't even doing such a splendid job as Paul Engel is pointing out here. I mean, they're not even doing the job we need them to do. And so now I get a little even more nervous because we've gone so far from those initial days where the framers created this, this, this amazing experiment. And this should concern everybody. Well, absolutely. But we have to understand the Constitution is ink on parchment. It's not the Constitution's fault. It's the fact that we refuse to follow the Constitution. Mm -hmm. For example, like you said, we have nine justices. Now, I'm not saying that every time a justice makes a bad opinion, they should be gotten rid of. But when a justice shows a pattern of infringing on the rights of the Constitution, uh, the protected by the Constitution, of ignoring and violating their oath of office, to me, that is bad behavior, which is grounds for impeachment. Now, they're impeached because the representatives of we the people say, uh-uh, that's too far. You've behaved badly. You no longer deserve to serve on that. And then the representatives of the states, the Senate, then tries it and says, okay, did the House of Representatives make, it, make its case? The problem is, when was the last time you heard we the people demanding of their representatives, excuse me, this federal judge has violated their oath of office. They have so uh, egregiously abridged the rights of the citizens. They have so behaved so badly, they need to be removed. The only time you ever hear impeachment used nowadays is for political ends, not for constitutional ones. And in many cases, it's because we don't realize, most of the Americans don't realize that judges don't have lifetime appointments. They serve only during their good behavior. That the, it is the representatives of the people that determine primarily what that good behavior is. And that it ends up being to the states whether or not that, you know, to ratify, in effect, what the uh, whether or not the House of Representatives was correct. So, so you're saying that it doesn't say lifetime appointment in there. Is that correct? No, it does not. It, it, it says I can find it real quick. Good behavior. Well, while you find that we're going to pause here a moment here. But uh, so it, it talks about good behavior. Now, that's an eye opening statement, my friends. That is an eye opening statement if there ever was one, because as soon as, you know, anything is talked about in regards to the Supreme Court, the first thing they all talk, well, that's a lifetime appointment. Now, I've been talking about making the Supreme Court justices term limits for some time. And, and I'll talk to Paul about that in just a little bit here. I mean, I, I, I have my own theory about term limits across the board. And I, I wonder what he'll say about all of that, because I'd like to even go further. I'd like to term everything that lives, breathes and thinks in Washington, D.C., inside the Beltway, that they have an expiration date on them, just like a... Uh, 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 a package of yogurt you put in the refrigerator. If not used before that time, it goes bad, moldy, and mildew. There's a reason that happens. It's the same thing with these crooked uh, politicians and people in Washington, you see? 
after the uh, past the sale date, they also go moldy on us. And then we have the bigger problem. The problem that Paul Engel is pointing out is massive in size, massive. It already tells you we're so lost in the weeds here that it's, it's, it's time to, you know, sell, sell real estate and cut and bait and move. And wow, it should make everybody nervous because it, it tells you we're in a heap of trouble is what it tells you. And uh, there's a lot of cleaning up that needs to happen in, uh, in this uh, government. Uh, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking here also to myself here, truth be told, is like, okay, is this the best that, because I, a lot of people always say, well, but, you know, and they, and I always hear the words after we talk about the United States government, well, but it's the best out there. It's the best it can be. Oh, okay. And I always question, is that really the case? And then I'm wondering right now, we're talking to Paul, and I'm wondering, is this really the best of, because, you know, human beings, we, we tend to screw things up, you see? Evil always gets into these things. It's always good and evil, isn't it now? And evil finds its way into every narrative, every argument, every debate, every discussion. And then it's corrupted. And I'm just wondering, was this the best it could be? I mean, we're not angels. We're not saints. Human beings have faults. And a lot of that is playing out in real time. So I, I just wonder out loud. Is this the best it can be? And otherwise, are we doomed? Or do we have a rallying call with we the people to not only keep nine, but to straighten them out and to remind them about good behavior? Perhaps we need another amendment called good behavior amendment, huh? Huh. Of course, Paul would probably say, well, that's already in there. We really don't need that. But, you know, I'm not so sure. Maybe it's time to remind everybody what good behavior is. Maybe this is the time to do that. Talking about good behavior, let's talk about good health as well. Healthycell.com. I'll tell you what, I've been taking this for three and a half years. It's an incredible product, first of all. And you know, a lot of it, first of all, it replaces the nasty vitamins. And this gets to the health of your cells. So that's important because as we age, and we all are aging people, I hate to tell you, be the bearer of that news, but. We do age and it's the health of ourselves is what determines our health, our, our um, you know, the, how long we're gonna live. Uh, you know, uh, are we gonna live, uh, do we feel good? Uh, you know, all of this is determined by the quality of those cells, I'm telling you. Things that uh, an ordinary vitamin can't possibly handle, but healthy cell does. Now they have a gel form as well and it replaces your vitamins and Charlie has so much in there. Uh, and it will help you feel your very, very best. They have a whole host of products that our listeners will get 20% off that first order. Uh, just go to healthycell.com forward slash out loud or click the banner ad back at americaoutloud.com and it's yours. Be sure to tell your friends and get this for your family as well. I especially love the immune super boost. It's like a COVID care package. It's got everything in there. I was telling you earlier in the program, it's an amazing product. Try that as well. We love Healthy Cell here. It just makes all the difference in the world. Be healthy and we get to live another day to make the good fight happen. Huh? We'll pause. We'll be back with more with Paul Engel. You're listening to the voice of a nation. 
Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. While the cancel culture is determined to destroy our history, bringing violence and terror to city streets, America Out Loud will enhance its own message of love and honor for the American traditions and constitutional values that have always been the backbone of what America means. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. Libertyatamericaoutloud.com. We are talking Keep 9 today, but it's actually more than Keep 9. These, these conversations we have always have a tendency to get bigger as we go and today is no exception to that but but here's the thing i want to put you to the test right now and 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 i'm going to get you really uh spirited if you've listened to anything i've said to you already in the program or you've listened to our uh, esteemed guests and what they've been telling you then i'm going to tell you what do you value your your first amendment rights do you value your second amendment rights do you value any of your rights Well, I got to tell you what, if that Supreme Court gets packed and they make that more political than what it already is, it's already a political nuclear bomb. But now if you make that even more so, put that on steroids. So I'll tell you what, because that then if they pack the court, all of that changes. And, And then they can do all those things in the light of day and do them legally not really legally via the Constitution, but they've already hijacked the Constitution at that point. So what the hell difference does it make, right? At that point, they're in. And they've, they've seized the moment. And they've got it. I mean, we're at that point, we are done. We won't make 250 years. That's the problem. Paul Engel is here with us from the Constitution Study. His show plays weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio. He's a great writer and uh, a great voice for freedom. Paul, I'm getting a bad sneaking suspicion, as you pointed out, not so delicately, but the problem is bigger even than Keat 9. 
Well, when we talk about all of our amendments and we talk about the most important ones, and even people are so worried about the Second Amendment and the right to bear arms, which we know is teeter-tottering right now as they are seizing every moment and opportunity with a propaganda campaign to take those out of circulation, which is what's happened in these Marxist countries historically. How, how do all these play into this keep nine or if they do success, successfully pack the court and if this committee comes back to Biden and says, yeah, we looked at it. We think it is time to expand this thing and uh, add another 12 ju justices or juries, go, jurists, go ahead. And our recommendation maybe is to do it. So what kind of danger are we in then? Well, there's a couple things to recognize, right? Your rights don't exist because of the Constitution. The Constitution is there to protect your rights. Freedom of speech doesn't disappear because a court says so. Freedom, your right to keep and bear arms doesn't disappear because a court says so. These, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you there, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because let me let me let me push back on you and say I, I wholeheartedly disagree with that because the court would stand up and then they would put my ass in jail. But the point is that what happens is the protection moves from the government to the people. Not it, if it, I'm in jail, Paul. Well, what what did what did Franklin say? Right, we must when they signed the Declaration of Independence, he said we must all hang together, or assuredly we will all hang separately. Right, if, so how do we if, get the well, rest of the clowns standing, to hang with us? How do we get that? Because that's the problem. We the people are so divided, we can't agree on anything. Well, true, but then again, look at what again. I'm gonna I'm quoting founding fathers here, right? Thomas Jefferson said, "I know no safe depository of the ultimate powers of the society." but the people themselves. And if we think them not enlightened enough to exercise their control with a wholesome discretion, the remedy is not to take it from them, but to inform their discretion by education. This is the true corrective of abuses of constitutional powers. It, it all starts with, we've gotten this far down the rabbit hole because the American people, we turned education over to the government. We've turned our children over to the government to educate them. And lo and behold, the government teaches them that the government is a boss of the people. When we educate them that says, no, the government is the servant of the people, then we, that's the, that is how we retain control. It's, it is our fundamental misunderstanding of the function of government and how the Constitution, the supreme law of the land works. When we talk about uh, you know, disagreeing with government, when we talk about um, looking at or not following unconstitutional and therefore illegal government edicts, people refer to this as civil disobedience. No. It's peaceful noncompliance. I'm not going to comply with a law that the Supreme Court of the United States says is void. Marbury versus Madison said that any act of Congress contrary to the Constitution is void. It's empty. It's meaningless. But since the people haven't been taught that, they listen to the nonsense coming out of Washington and simply assume it's legal. The court doesn't define what's constitutional. The Supreme Court, the, 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 the Congress, the president, the ultimate deciders of what the Constitution means are the parties to the Constitution, that is the states and the people who control the states. So if, if they pack the Supreme Court, if they suddenly say that uh, you know, guns are illegal, 
it's up to the states to say, uh, no, we did not agree to that. That is null and void. Why do you think there have been so many of these Second Amendment sanctuary movements? These are states recognizing that at least in this one small area, government has gone too far. It is our job to protect our citizens from the illegal actions of government. Okay, you're saying to me now that this is not a going to be an easy takeover by the Marxists. Um, it will be unless the, the American people are educated. But what about the states, the red states that would push back on all this? Well, again, how far are they going to push? Most of the sec interesting, most of the Second Amendment sanctuary laws that I've seen passed don't push back against the federal government. They simply say the state won't spend money to help you. It's kind of like a baby step towards uh, pushing back on government. The one time I know of a state that actually said, listen, federal government, you have no control over arms and accessories built, sold, and retained within our state was Kansas in 2013. Then Governor Brownback actually said, if the ATF comes in and tries to arrest a Kansas citizen for by obeying Kansas law, we will arrest them and try them. And then as soon as the ATF showed up, they folded like a cheap suit. But they didn't suffer any consequences from that. When was the last time? I mean, we've been talking for months about, we've been talking for a year and a half about the illegal unconstitutional acts of Governor Newsom. And now we're hearing maybe this September, they will right. try to see if they can punish him for those actions. The American people don't realize the power they actually have, the power they wield, because we haven't been educated about it. We don't understand that uh, simply because Congress says something doesn't make it legal. Right, simply right. because the court says something does not make it legal. The court said that that blacks were not human. They were property. Mm -hmm. The court said that you could be arrested and jailed for no crime except being of a certain nationality. By the way, that that case, Karamazov, to my knowledge, has never been, quote unquote, overturned by the court. It is still standing precedent. Yeah. But the uh, courts have no power. This is the part that, that uh, I love teaching about. Uh, Alexander Hamilton, and when he wrote Federalist Paper number 78, said, the judiciary, on the contrary, has no influence over either the sword or the purse, no direction of either of the strength or the wealth of the society, and can make, take no active resolution whatever. Mm -hmm. It may truly be said to have neither force nor will, but merely judgment, and must ultimately depend upon the aid of the executive arm, even for the efficacy of its judgments. Okay. All right. Listen now. In theory, I agree with what you're saying there. I mean, that's perfectly said what you say there. Now, the, the, the people have been brainwashed differently than what you put out there very clearly uh, across the board. Everybody believes. In fact, the old saying, you can't fight city hall. You can't, you can't, that was the courts. You can't fight the government. You can't fight the courts. You can't because they have the last word because they can lock you up. What do you say to all that? Well, just look at what happened this past year in Portland and Seattle in New York City and Washington, D.C. All right. Uh, how many of those people got locked up? What percentage of the people, even look at what happened on January 6th, what percentage of the people have been locked up? Well, that's because the courts wanted them to be free and the rules put into place by the power seekers were no bail, but let them be free. 
even before the no bail, even before all that, the, the point is, well, even go back. All right. So the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, you have the entire civil rights movements was based on, on acting contrary to an illegal law. And yes, some of them went to jail and some of them suffered horrendously. Mm-hmm. Well, the simple question is, what is your liberty worth? Mm-hmm. What is your freedom worth? Right, right. All right. And more importantly, not only what is your neighbor's freedom worth? Right. See, that's what, I, I, I like what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. You're talking about the 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 collective of we the people is what and, and I'll, hold on now. I want to circle back to Newsom a moment, too. It's a perfect example you put out there in California now with this uh, callback here, which will be September. Uh, is that a moment in time for California, Paul? It is. But it's we have to remember, Governor Newsom won election. A majority of the people in California who voted voted for him. Now, some of them are second guessing their decision. I'm, uh, there's no guarantee that he will be recalled, but it is the people of California that chose him. Um, I, I, it may sound harsh, but they really need to learn to deal with their own mistakes. And maybe if the punishment of electing somebody who has no regard for the law, for the constitution, for his office. Right. Maybe it takes that pain for people to wake up and say, maybe we need to vet these people better. Well, they've already done that. The answer to your uh, synopsis there is that's already happened. They've already got no, the recall in place, but will it be finished with the, will they take them out of office is what you're asking, right? Yeah, no, it, it hasn't been finished. What you've gotten is roughly what? 2%, 3%, 4%. Of the population of California have said, we want to ask the question, do we recall him? That's not the people of California standing up with one voice saying, no more. I've had enough. I can't take it anymore. That's a small. Well, the answer to that is going to be back in September, then, Paul, right? When that happens. But then, but but again, think of Einstein. What, What did Einstein say? He said, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome is a definition of insanity. The question is, okay, so you get rid of Newsom. Who's next? See, that's why the problem is when it is in the, the heads of we the people. It's the people in California. So you don't think this is a moment for California then? Not really. I, I would be highly surprised. I, I think it's going to be a small course correction. But uh, since the people of California have shown themselves over and over and over again to be quite happy with totalitarian okay. collectivist government controlled uh, controlling the people right. i fully expect if they if they do boot Newsom out the next person they're going to bring in is still going to be a collectivist mm-hmm. uh, a marxist and and think that the government rules the people so you think california is too far gone then period too far no uh, again the corrective abuse of power is education and the question then becomes, how do we educate the people to start showing them they're blind? They don't, you know, it, it, they don't even know that they don't know. They've been so uh, educated into imbecility that they don't even realize the, the, the source of their rights, the power that they have. What we have to do is start opening their eyes, finding those little things that people find. Well, uh, let me say to you, COVID was that moment. COVID was an eye opener for California and still is. They're still talking about putting masks on and locking stuff down. So that is, that is a moment in the sand for them, isn't it? Well, it's one. But the question is, how big? 
Right. You know, if it changes 2%, 5% of the people's minds, that's a start. Right. But we can't look at that and say, that's the end. Oh, no, and, no, not at all. It's the beginning. Again, what, what you're dealing with, for the most part, from what I've seen, are people who know something is wrong, right. but they haven't, they haven't been taught what the right answer is. They haven't been taught what is right. They keep looking for government to fix government. They keep looking for someone in government to yeah. fix government. All right. George Washington's that that is the that is the despotism of party of a spirit of party. Okay. All right. So it, it really uh, the message here that I'm hearing is it's got to come down to the we the people, the collective of we the people. It always has been, and I always say that to listeners, but. That is the only saving grace here and the only chance we have, Paul. Ultimately, yes. Ultimately, the power rests in the hands of we the people. We need to be educated to use it properly. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the reasons why you know, I, I do want to talk a bit about this, this Keep Nine Amendment. Because I don't think the Keep Nine Amendment is the answer to the problem. The problem with the court is not that nine is a magic number. Court packing is a symptom of a the, getting the court from nine to 13 is a symptom of a deeper problem that of using the court for political ends. If we truly want to protect the court from such political machinations, the answer is not to simply limit it to nine. I can see certain situations where I would want, the, I would want the court to expand. You make it an amendment that it's nine, you make that impossible without another amendment. No, what I would like to see is I'd like to see a, an amendment that has two simple parts. Part one says that uh, no legislation expanding a federal court can take effect until the inauguration after the next presidential election. So you want to you want to expand any federal court. No one's getting seated in that court until we've had a presidential election. That's, That's good. One. That's good. Step two. No president can appoint more than one new justice to a Supreme Court in their term mm. in, in their administration. Wow. So if you want to add. If we look at it and say, you know what, we do want to add members to the court, but it's going to be done over time by multiple administrations so that it doesn't become a political. Well, hold on. What happens if two die or two resign? Then what do you do? You just keep the seats unfilled? I said add. I didn't say replace. You can replace seats. You cannot add a new justice to the court. You cannot add an additional person to the court except one per presidential administration. You mean with the uh, on the idea of the packing thing? Yes. So you know, if if half the court dies tomorrow, uh, dies, mm -hmm. the president can replace them. Right. But if they, when they want to go from nine to ten, you can only add ten. You can you know, president whoever is elected under the, under the next administration would be able to elect would they appoint one. So you're saying if they agree ten. to go more than nine justices, which uh, I don't think I think I don't think we need more than nine. Uh, I, I, I think that maxes it out. You, you want to see more. You're okay with more, huh? I see a situation where it could be. For example, the Supreme Court takes only a small fraction of the cases brought before it. Right. I think they get something like eight to 10,000 cases. They take 60 or 70. Well, what if we decided that, you know what, the court should act maybe more like a circuit court, where we're going to have, say, three judge panels so that they could see, they could hear more cases mm -hmm. and then... Um, maybe review on bonk by the entire court. Well, then maybe we could go, you know, nine, theoretically, we could handle three times as many cases. If we went to 12, 
maybe we could handle four times. I could see a situation where that would be useful. When the court was last set to nine, I think this country had what, 50, 60 million people in it. Now we're over 330. The court is not able to do all the work that's being brought to it. Mm -hmm. One of the way would be to expand it and reorganize it, allow it to work um, uh, on on more cases without the, by, by breaking it into panel, randomly selected panels. Interesting. Might be a solution to getting more, getting the Supreme Court to look at more cases that might lead to an increase in the, in the size of the court. But if we do that increase over time, we don't have the political machinations that comes from court packing. Interesting. Interesting. We're speaking of Paul Engel here. Boy, I'll tell you what, you learn something, don't you? I mean, you know, and these different ideas he's putting out right now are really food for thought. Uh, It makes us all think a little bit more about uh, the importance of this. And uh, there's a lot to take from this program today. I got to tell you, my friends, uh, uh, the power, we the people, I can't stress that enough. Uh, And to get everybody together, uh, interest in Paul's uh, pushback a little bit with the Keep Nine. Uh, I still think we need to keep nine. I'm going to stay with that uh, at this moment here, although I love what he puts out there, quite frankly. But at this point, they're trying to seize the courts and uh, they're trying to, uh, again, distribute those courts with more justices. And I think that would be a cancer on any level that must be stopped here. Paul's book, uh, The Constitution Study, uh, look him up in the America Out Loud bookstore, please. Uh, The Constitution Study is right there. And uh, he's got a couple of books in there, but look up Paul Engel. That book is well worth it. He, he's the kind of guy you learn a lot from. Uh, somebody who's kind of good to sit and have a drink with in a, a lounge one time in an afternoon, maybe. Huh? Set up appointments for that with Paul. <laughs> um, but uh, it is interesting what we learn on this amazing document. Uh, and uh, where the power is in all of this. Uh, what a great program today. Deborah Tamargo, Norma Camiro, Reno, and... Paul Engel. Well, my fellow Americans, thank you for being with me on the mission here. It is all back at americaoutloud.com. We have a mission there. It's to preserve our liberty and justice for all. I hope that's your mission as well. Join us there and we'll make the ultimate difference. It's time to get involved and get loud.